Now it's time for the Disney View podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his grand circle tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, but understands Disney's place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. Come along and hear Dave's thoughts about Walt Disney World and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. Well, on this podcast, I wanted to catch up on some of the things that are happening in and around the Walt Disney World Resort, stuff that maybe I haven't talked about a whole lot or haven't given a lot of detail about or that we've learned more about in the last little while. And the place I wanted to start is Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, which is the new immersive Star Wars-themed land that's coming to Hollywood Studios. Now, we've seen it under construction for the better part of a year. You know, it's risen enough where you can see a lot. They have the model over at uh, Walt Disney One Man's Dream. Uh, and you can look at, look at things that are going on and kind of get a feel for, for how it's developing. And now they've announced an opening date. It's going to open at Hollywood Studios August 29th, and uh, there's actually going to be an opening at Disneyland on May 31st. So that one's actually going to be first. The mothership is first, and I get it. But at Disney World, it'll be August 29th. And the way they're going to do it is they're going to open it in a couple of phases. So the first phase will open on the date indicated. There'll be a second phase, a phase two, that opens at some point later, a couple of months later, maybe as much as six months later, they'll open the rest of the attractions and things that are going on there. But they'll have one attraction and some of the shops will be open and a lot of the theme lands will be available to you to, for you to visit. So starting on uh, August 29th, you'll have Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run, where you'll be able to fly the Millennium Falcon in an interactive smuggling mission. Now, what this is going to actually look like and do, I don't really know. I've seen some concept art. I've seen a couple of proposed videos that are purported to be of the attraction and so forth. And I kind of look at it and I go, I guess it's sort of motion simulator-ish. Maybe, you know, something on the order of what you do when you're over at uh, Mission Space where everyone has a role and you do something and making the launch happen there and, and getting up into space. It may be a similar kind of thing where you're in a group and doing something in a, in a motion simulator. I really want to see how this one plays out and uh, see what it looks like. And uh, hopefully shortly after it opens, we'll have an, uh, an opportunity to see some videos from it so we can see what it looks like and what it does. For those of us who have issues with motion and some of the things that are going on, it's always helpful when somebody creates a video that's sort of a random one-off video that lets you see how the mechanics of it work. For me personally, it works well to see the mechanics so I understand what it is I'm getting myself into. And then in a more abstract way, as the engineer in me, I like to see how the ride vehicle actually works. It's kind of cool to see it. I actually stumbled upon someone's video of uh, the Avatar Flight of Passage. I hadn't actually seen how this ride worked. I haven't been on it yet. And they left their camera running and put it in the cubby behind so you could actually see the entire ride running. You had a view of about three people in there on their motorcycle ride vehicle things. And you got to actually see how it moved and how it worked. And I was like, oh, that's actually pretty cool the way they do it. So it's part motion simulator and part uh, you know, standalone ride, and you have the big screen in front of you. So it's it's like maybe something like uh, the uh, Soren ride, but like on steroids, right? Something that's just a little bit more uh, adventurous than that. 
because uh, honestly, Soren is one of the most common, uh, least movement rides I've ever been on, but gives you that dramatic effect. And it looks like Avatar Flight of Passage is similar to that, but a little different. But anyway, back to the Star Wars land and the, uh, the idea for a Smuggler's Run. I don't know exactly what it's going to be. It looks something like a motion simulator based on the, uh, some of the uh, concept art I've seen, but I really want to see what it looks like. Now, when they open the second phase, there'll be a second attraction there that's called Rise of the Resistance, where you'll be in some sort of a uh, vehicle moving along and actually uh, going in, and going against the, um, the First Order. And there'll be some sort of you know, interactive type things that happen there, and it'll be an adventure kind of thing. You know, I, I, the way I envision it is something like uh, the dinosaur ride over in uh, Animal Kingdom, where you're in this ride vehicle and things are happening around you. And uh, they do some, you know, some quick motions and some things to immerse you in the experience. So we'll see what that actually turns out to be. It'll be, it'll be interesting to find out what they do with it. Um, and then other things that they're doing, uh, they're going to open Savvy's Workshop where you can build your own lightsaber. Uh, you'll have the Droid Depot where you can design, assemble, and activate uh, a droid that you've always been looking for. Um, you can go to Oga's Canteen or the Milk Stand. <laughs> the Milk Stand, I love it. Maybe they'll have blue and green milk. Um, they'll have the Docking Bay 7 Food and Cargo, where hungry travelers can head inside and uh, get something to eat. And then there'll be the uh, Toydarian Toy Maker, uh, where they have a whimsical shop filled with toys. The Dok Ondander's Den of Iniqui Antiquities, where you find rare and unique uh, artifacts collected by legendary antiquities dealers. There'll be a creature stall, where you exotic can see exotic creatures from around the galaxy. The Black Spire Outfitters, uh, where you can uh, get your colorful apparel and uh, so on. And you know, when I'm looking at this, I'm thinking to myself, I think what Disney did here is they pulled the page back from the Harry Potter themed land over at Universal. Universal opened that to wild acclaim. It has, I believe, two rides in it, two attractions, and a bunch of shops and a bunch of other things where they have something iconic like the butter beer in that case. In this case, it'll be the milk. And you go in and you get something and you have that experience. And so the land will be immersive. But the one thing about Harry Potter's land that I've heard is it's you know, it's visually striking, it's beautiful, but there's not much to do there. And I think this is going to be the same kind of thing where you have those moments where there's stuff to do. They will enhance the, uh, the Play Disney app and they'll do some other things where you can be more engaged. And I know they're going to have, when they finally open the hotel uh, near Hollywood Studios, uh, that'll be the Star Wars themed hotel, there'll be the opportunity to do more and come into the park and be more interactive. So I think it's like, it's pulling the page, but actually extending on the concept a little bit and taking it a little bit further than Universal did with uh, the Harry Potter theme world. Now, I really want to see what these attractions are going to look like and how they're going to work and, you know, how it all comes together. But a couple of things to keep in mind. Number one is, though they haven't officially announced it yet, it appears as though annual pass holders will be barred from entering Star Wars land for the first month or so that it's open to let the quote-unquote paying guests come in first. Now that could change. Uh, that's just a note I've been told, something I've been told along the way. Um, so we'll see if that actually plays out that way. And thought number two is there will not be fast passes available, fast pass pluses available for the uh, smugglers run. They're going to try running it without fast passes for the first little while, uh, first couple of months or so. So it will only be a walk-on attraction. So that way they level the playing field and everyone has an equal opportunity to ride it and stand in line for an hour or two or five. Uh, while they're waiting for the attraction. So we'll see. It'll be interesting to see how they make that work. They're going to try it out at Disneyland first. Again, Disneyland's going to get it first. Same concept, same things where there won't be fast passes and they're going to restrict access to the parks a little bit. 
so that people can kind of take it in. So we'll see how that works out. It'll be interesting. I don't know what's gonna, what, what it's going to mean, but it, it looks like a, an interesting idea. Disney's trying something a little different that they've never really done before. Um, this is kind of you know trying to change the, uh, the paradigm just a little. Now, I'm kind of half excited, half not about the whole Star Wars theme land. And the reason is I enjoyed the first six movies thoroughly. Episode four, which was the first one that came out in the Star Wars uh, lineage, uh, came out when I was about 10 years old. And I was enamored of it. I saw it a bunch of times in the theater. I don't want to say it's 100 because that's hyperbole, but I probably saw it 10 times that first summer it came out. And I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed the six movie, the three movies that came then. I enjoyed the, the next three movies, which were the prequels, in a different way. I liked them because they told more of the story and it filled in a lot for me and I really enjoyed the way they told the story. And even though they were a little different, especially episode one, which was a little weak, I enjoyed the way the story came together. Episode seven was fun to a point because it kind of took the story to a new place. There were some hokey things that happened. There were some things I didn't like. And uh, I think I told you my son really hated it and he's, a, he's the Star Wars geek in our family. And then um, episode eight, I was kind of like, meh, didn't really love it. It just didn't capture my imagination the same way. And then the Han Solo uh, uh, story, I thought that was kind of weak. I thought they did a kind of a poor job of telling Han, Han Solo's backstory. They could have done a much better job of telling the story there. And then Rogue One, I thought was pretty good. Um, I didn't think it was great. I liked some of the thematic things, more like I thought of episodes one, two, and three, where there are things I liked about it, but things that I thought were kind of uh, a little bit out there and not the greatest film, but it worked in the storyline. That scene where they went from the end of Rogue One to what happens just before episode four, great stuff. Really fun stuff. So I like some of what they're doing. I don't like everything they're doing. And, you know, the crash commercialization of it all and kind of the over-the-top over nature of what they're doing makes me kind of roll my eyes a little bit like, okay, what's Disney going to do with this? So I'm kind of looking forward to it, but I hope they don't mess it up, for lack of a better word way to say it. And I don't mean to say anything bad because... I'm sure it'll be terrific. I'm sure Disney will put all the right touches on it. It will be a beautifully themed land. I'm sure it will be, uh, you know, wonderful in that sense. And uh, I think it'll work out well in the in the grand scheme of things. I'm just not sure how much I'm going to love it. We'll see. I'm willing to give it a try. I'm still a Star Wars geek. I will still watch the movies. I will still do the other stuff. But I'm just, you know, I'm kind of a little more hesitant. They've kind of taken it away from me a little bit because I'm not enjoying it the way I used to. So we'll see. Now, the other thing is the... Uh, Star Tours will stay where it is uh, and stay active. So there is another attraction there that will be running uh, during the time that uh, they're opening this land. So that one will continue to be there. Um, we'll see how they do the entrances so that it makes sense to be able to go over to Star Tours based on where it is relative to like the uh, Muppet Vision. You may have to come up and around. They may just change it so you have to go around differently to get into it, which is fine. Um, but I think they'll manage to do that. It's not impossible. It's just going to take a little work to make it so you can get to it. So I'm curious. I want to see when it opens. I want to see what it's going to look like. This should be, you know, it should be fun, I think. Um, seems like it'll be a good time. One other thing that I, I wanted to point out, I noticed that Disneyland's uh, notifications about the opening of Star Wars Galaxy Edge, they're going to have a different land. So um, I think uh, the Walt Disney World one is going to be based on the, the planet Batuu, and uh, the um, Disneyland one is based on a different planet. But they're going to have the same attractions. And I'm like, but why are you having the same attractions? Why wouldn't you do something different? But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm misinterpreting what they're saying. Maybe I'm just conflating the two because of the way they've told this. You know, they're releasing them both at the same time. 
So perhaps I'm just not understanding something and I'm missing the point there that they're actually different. But, uh, I, you know, I want to see what they're able to do. I want to see what it comes together. I guess we'll get more stories here in the next couple of months when May comes around and Disneyland's version opens. We'll start to get a sense of what it's going to all be about. Uh, so, I, you know, I look forward to it, you know, in that sense. I think it's going to be pretty neat. Uh, I think the park is going to be ridiculously crowded for a period of time there in, you know, late August and into uh, uh, Labor Day weekend there. Um, so we'll see, you know, how, how it works out. I, oh, the other thing I wanted to point out was Star Wars Launch Bay. It's unclear what they're going to use that space for. It seems unlikely they'll continue to house Star Wars merchandise and memorabilia there and have the meet and greets because they've already said they're going to move the meet and greets over to the Star Wars land. So I want to know what they're... I'm curious what they're going to use that space for. How are they going to reuse that space and use it for something else? I'm sure they will find some other use for it, some other property that they own that they want to have something there. Maybe that's where they'll have some sort of Marvel meet and greet or something. Who knows? But well, I guess they'll figure that out as yeah, we get into it. And that's the story of the uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, and it's coming to uh, Walt Disney World, and Disneyland for that matter. Turning to Epcot for just a moment, um, there, was, uh, the, the, there was a permit filed where they're going to be changing the entrance, and so they're going to morph it a little bit. They're going to actually change some things about the entrance so that it moves over a little bit, it reorients a little and they're going to remove the leave a, leave a Legacy tiles that are there on these uh, monolithic things that are in front of Spaceship Earth. Uh, I have heard that they were going to move them outside the park and actually put them kind of uh, in the front area before you enter the park. And what they wanted to put there was something more reminiscent of what they originally had in that space in front of Spaceship Earth. Some sort of Lucite-like things, more planters, more open space, make it more futuristic again. Um, the thing about the Leave a Legacy uh, blocks there and also the ones that were the uh, walk around the world that they started at the Magic Kingdom, um, they don't maintain them very well. So those things have all kind of worn down over time and it's hard to see some of them. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a shame because people, you know, wanted to leave their legacy there and now they're going to move it and maybe it disappears entirely. I don't know. Um, I don't think it belonged there in the first place, but that was just a personal opinion, you know, the fact that they had it there. You know, it's interesting to see what it's interesting to see that they want to change the entirety of the entrance, and I know that's part of what was going on here with this plan for Epcot. And I'll have to get delve more into what the plans are for Epcot now that we're starting to get some more information. I need to dig around a little more and you know see if I can find some more things out for you. But it looks like uh, there's going to be some dramatic changes coming to the uh, visual appeal of Epcot, in addition to some a lot of the attractions changing. So we'll see what they all look like, and uh, I'm kind of curious uh, what they do there, too. I'm, I'm always curious about these things. That's my thing. I'm always kind of curious. The uh, gondolas are nearing their readiness to run. I think they have a planned opening date of sometime later this month here in March, and they, uh, they plan to have them. They had strung the cables back in uh, December or so and started running cars on them. Uh, sometime in January, and they've been running cars, and they've been covered. They had the cars covered, and they had them uh, coming along through the uh, through the lines, and so you couldn't see what they really looked like. And it was uh, actually kind of interesting because you could see them running. It's you know they're nice little gondolas. If you remember the Skyway in the Magic Kingdom or at Disneyland, you know in a way they look kind of like that. They're a little bit bigger, and they have a little bit more uh, um, windows on them because the Skyway didn't had the open space in it, so you could actually. Uh, uh, feel the air blowing by you, but these will be a little bit more closed off. But similar sort of technology there. And I don't know if Disney is actually, if Disney influenced the designers of it or if the designers were a separate company that Disney hired just to build them as is. 
I have a feeling it's uh, a little bit of both. I think Disney influenced the design, but I think the uh, other company had a lot to do with it. The um, gondolas themselves will not have air conditioning, but they pulled off some of the wraps on some of them, and you can see that they will have large windows, vented windows that go through there. The other thing they will have is electricity on, on board. So they will be able to play music, they can have uh, announcements, they can have a little video board where they do something in there, and they can also run fans, so they can actually move air through there. If you've got the windows on either side, you can move the air through it pretty easily, and then it should be fairly comfortable to ride in, even in the heat of summer. Um, but then it protects you against the weather. So, you know, I want to see what they're going to do with it. I want to see what it looks like when they, when they actually get up and running. And I want to try it out. I want to ride it and see how it, see how it goes. But it looks like it, uh, it could be pretty cool in the way that they've designed it. The design of them is really nice. I think they'll work pretty well in terms of getting people around. I do find it kind of a shame that they didn't decide to expand the monorail and do more monorails. But at least they're thinking a little bit ahead in terms of uh, getting people from place to place other than buses. That was always my concern, is they're using these diesel buses to get people from place to place, and they weren't thinking very forward on that. Now they can eliminate some of that, at least, by having more gondolas going around and getting people from place to place a little bit more conveniently. So I like the idea, and I like that Disney is being forward-thinking and kind of considering their possibilities here in terms of uh, being environmentally friendly and starting to, starting to move the needle a little bit. And gondolas are kind of cool on their own, just that monorails are much cooler. So that's my take on that. The uh, other thing I wanted to talk about was that uh, over at Epcot as well, there's going to be the uh, Flower and Garden Festival. That actually just started this week, so it's going to be going on for the next uh, few weeks, actually for a couple of months. It goes until, I think, June 2nd. And uh, it's the Flower and Garden Festival, and it's really nice. They take a lot of the, uh, the horticulturalists, produce a lot of different new plants and different things that they put out, and they create new topiaries, and they do a lot of things. And they have demonstrations of uh, plant growing, and they talk about different... Uh, things that they can grow and how they grow them and they they're using a lot of the knowledge that they have and sharing it with people If you just go in and you listen to some of these lectures you get a little something out of it And you talk to people about some of the plants that they're growing and some of the things they're, do they're doing And you get a different sense of how these you know how to grow a plant you, you think about it a little differently You know it's rather than just going in and seeing the plant there and going, hey, that's pretty you go and you listen to them about what it takes to grow a plant and some of the new techniques and some of the things you can do to help grow plants look I'm one of those people, I do not, I can plant a plant, I can make it grow, I can make it start, I can get it, you know, I can grow it from a seed, I can, you know, get it in a pot and it's going, and then as soon as I get it in the ground, I manage to kill it. That's just the way I am with plants. I'm just not particularly good at it. I have many fruit trees in my yard, none of which bear fruit, which is just unbelievable to me. They'll be green and they'll be nice and whatever, and then one dies, and none of them bear fruit. And it's unfortunate, but I know how to do it, but I cannot get the green thumb techniques working. I feel like Doofenshmirtz sometimes, if you've ever seen Phineas and Ferb, where he says, that guy across, he has green thumbs. And he, you know, ironically, I painted myself green, and the only thing that didn't get painted was my thumbs. I feel like that sometimes. That I, uh, I, I just can't grow something. It's just the way I am. But I like to hear about the techniques, and I like to try them. You know, there's nothing wrong with trying, even though I can't, get the, can't seem to grow something myself. I love hearing from people about how they do grow things. So you can... Uh, you can Go and learn about some of the techniques, how to grow better plants. Maybe some of you have better luck than I do. I don't know. But, uh, you know, there's also going to be a butterfly house. There's the, uh, some uh, concerts that go on throughout the day, much like they do for the uh, Food and Wine Festival. There are some uh, pavilions set up with specific foods and different things. Um, there are some uh, other things going on, uh, activities and so forth. 
where it, it's a little bit more fun. And again, it's included with park admission, and I like to go to this, and I plan on going sometime later in the series. I'll probably make it there, I'm guessing, in May. I'm not exactly sure yet. But uh, I'll try and get some, uh, some information about it and share some things with you about what I see there when I go. But I do, you know, it's one of those things that I enjoy because I do enjoy the outdoors and I do enjoy trying to grow things. And like I said, I can grow them, I can start them, I can get them going. I just can't maintain them once they're in the ground. It's just really weird. It's one of those random things that happens. Good with a lot of things, but that's not one of them, unfortunately. Oh, let's see. And I think that's pretty much everything I've got. Uh, oh, there was one other thing uh, over at uh, the Magic Kingdom. One of the things that's happened over the years, you used to be able to walk through the castle. You could walk up the ramp and walk through the castle. There was the portcullis and the big gate there, and you could walk through and walk, you know, walk past the uh, mural of Cinderella, you know, right by where the uh, Cinderella's royal table is, and you could go through. And the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique is under there as well. You go through to the other side of Fantasyland. And then at some point, they decided to pretty much close it off 100% of the time to traffic so that they could do the stage shows and uh, they could make the stage shows a little bit more uh, dynamic and they could do things they didn't have to worry about trying to close it off to guests. They just leave it closed pretty much all the time, which is kind of a shame, you know, because you don't get to enjoy the castle the same way. So you have to walk, uh, you know, traffic flow was tough because you have to walk all the way around the castles on either side, the castle on either sides. And for a period of time, on the left side as you were walking up Main Street and looking at the castle, there was a smoking area right there. And uh, they didn't consider that when they were trying to figure out how to get traffic to go around there. So if you wanted to go around, you had to pass the smoking area. And the path is fairly narrow there. And, uh, you know, they, it's a little difficult to navigate, especially when there's a lot of people kind of hanging around. The right side's a little better, uh, but it still, uh, still kind of cuts you off a little bit. It's still a little congestive there. They did move the smoking area, so that was good. Uh, but the path is still narrow. And, you know, when you get a couple people walking with strollers either direction, it gets a little crowded and you wind up waiting a while just to walk up to the other side of the castle. There's other ways to get there, of course, but that is the main way to get behind the castle. So they've announced that they're going to go ahead and widen that pathway finally. And I think that's probably a good thing that they can finally get that path a little wider and then they can ease traffic congestion around behind the castle a little bit. It just annoys me. It's one of those stupid things where they just didn't think it through early on. And I don't understand why they didn't widen the path when they were closing the castle off, but they're finally getting around to it. So that's kind of a nice thing. And just a couple of quick things before I let you go. The first is that the Walt Disney Company appears to be on the brink of launching their streaming service, the uh, Disney Plus streaming service, I believe they're going to call it. And one of the things that they're going to do is put their entirety of the Walt Disney online so that you can watch anything when you subscribe to the streaming service. So that would include all of the old World of Disney shows, all of the, the True Life Adventures, all of the things that they used to show on Resort TV or on the Disney Channel back in the day, all of these fun shows, quirky things from the 70s, the 60s, all of these things that are just kind of fun. So in that sense, I think the streaming service may be a lot of fun and uh, may be fun to watch. The second thing I wanted to talk about is my own Press Pennies app. So I had created one for the uh, iOS devices, so for your Apple devices, and uh, it was out there and it was available for a long period of time, and I made some changes to it, uh, rather a lot of changes. I've made it up to date with a little bit different technology, kind of changed the look of it a little bit, and used some of the functionality that the iOS 12 gives you. So hopefully it's a little more fun. 
So it's available through the iTunes store. I'll put a link to it in my show notes page just so you have it if you'd want to go out and check it out. The good part is now it's free. Um, I'm supported through advertising, so you're welcome to give it a shot, see what you think. doesn't even cost a penny. You can go out and start using it. Uh, there is one thing I'll tell you. The Walt Disney Company has said that you can't have any of the pictures of the pennies in the app because they're copyright of their company. But I do have pictures of all the pennies online, and I have a way to link them directly into the app. There's If you click on one of the pictures of the penny, and then you click uh, show pictures from the web, I think it's called... Or, Link pictures from the web, I think is what it's called. If you do that, it will uh, automatically link them and they'll always be linked regardless of whatever updates are made and everything. It'll just continue to show the ones that are on the web. They're not in the app itself, but they're on the web. So if you want to check it out, please feel free. Like I said, it's free. Um, hope, hopefully it's useful to you. I find it useful. I find it fun to collect press pennies. They're an inexpensive little souvenir to have. So I hope you enjoy it. Well, there you go. That is my podcast for this week, and I hope you've enjoyed it. And remember, if we can dream it, we can certainly do it. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then, gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes, I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there, please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading one for finding hidden Mickeys, and an app for finding and tracking pressed pennies around the Walt Disney World Resort. And you never know just what Dave is working on next. If you have questions, feel free to drop Dave an email at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Original music you're hearing in this podcast is Oslo Doom by Gilberto Gil. Of course, this is a fan podcast and in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company. 